welcome to the podcast of the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary, a space for ongoing dialogue among Asian American scholars, ministry leaders, and activists. I have the privilege of introducing our workshop speaker, Migam Guan is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California and Nevada with almost 15 years of experience. She is passionate about working with couples and individuals, primarily serving the Asian American community. She was on the core faculty and the director of clinical training for eight years in the Department of Marriage and Family Therapy at Fuller Seminary. Prior to becoming a therapist, Megum served as a campus staff member with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, served as a youth pastor at a Korean church in Charlotte, and worked for almost a decade in investment banking research. She also serves on the executive board of Mustard Seed Generation. Megum lives in Vegas with her 17-year-old son and two cats, Evie and Merlin. Let's welcome Megum. The floor is yours. Thank you so much. Um, wow. Thank you, David. And I'm thankful to Princeton's uh, Center for Asian American Christianity for this amazing opportunity. I am really excited for our time together. Um, so in this workshop, we will explore how to say yes or no in a healthy and grounded way. Um, first, I'll talk about the larger context of why this is so important. Um, and then we'll do a short activity together, followed by a training on how to use the four steps. Um, so let me get my PowerPoint up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so we're, again, we're going to be talking about our context Um and then we're gonna be doing an activity called Calling and Coping. Uh, and then I'm gonna walk you through the four steps. Um, so first off, I'd like for us to start out, sorry, when I um, click on the slides, it's taking a little bit of time to load, but here's the next one, thanks. Uh, so, no. <laughs> so I wish we could all be in a room together where I'd have you guys scream this out, but just you know, repeat after me, no and say it in different ways. Of course, we can all say no. But today, we'll be exploring the complexities of why saying no is so difficult. And then we'll consider ways that we can say no with confidence and without fear. Because you know what? The word no gets such a bad rap. It's the dirty two-letter word, isn't it? <laughs> it indicates disagreement, uh, refusal, discontent, anger, denial. And there's this implication that when you say no, you're being difficult. You're being disagreeable. Um, maybe even like you're not being faithful. You're being stubborn, mean, insensitive, rude, selfish, I could go on and on. There's so many negative implications for saying no. But in the best sense, no can also help us. It expresses boundaries. It helps us to set limits. It provides um, clarity. It, it gives voice to our opinions and it seeks to protect. So no, if done in the right way, helps us to protect ourselves. It helps us to thrive. 
I see the ability to say no in a healthy way as being a beautiful, powerful act. And why is it so important to say yes or no in a healthy way? That's because if we respond for the wrong reasons, we suffer internally. I think you guys have experienced that, right? For example, we experience maybe um, resentment or anger or even self-shame. These negative feelings tend to pile up internally and we can affect, um, it can really affect our mental health. It can affect how we see ourselves and that can then start leaking out in unhealthy ways to those around us. So if we learn to say yes, or if we say learn to say no in a healthy way, we won't really experience that negative pileup. And that's really the goal. Um, so next slide. Um, so here's, here's the context of this workshop. It kind of fits into the overall imperative that we need to take care of ourselves holistically our physical, spiritual, intellectual, emotional well-being. As a therapist, um, promoting overall well-being is what I deeply care about. Um, and, you know, in my past careers, um, in my past careers in music, um, in ministry, in equity research, um, and most recently um, on faculty at Fuller, I really struggle with being able to say no. <laughs> I especially struggle with saying no in a ministry context. Um, so much harder to say no in a ministry context. Um, but, you know, since becoming a therapist, I've improved. I'd like to say that I've improved in my ability to say yes or no with the right heart. Um, but truth be told, it wasn't until about a year and a half ago uh, when I was diagnosed with cancer that this was truly tested um, with cancer, with surgery, with um, radiation. Uh, I had no choice but to say no to things. Uh, I was forced to say no. And I, I hated it. <laughs> um, I had to enforce boundaries. And, I, I, you know, of course, I knew that I had to put my health as priority, but I found myself really struggling um, internally. Um, when I felt like I was letting people down or not measuring up to expectations. So as pastors, as church leaders, as therapists, um, for all of us, I believe that being able to say no in a healthy way is imperative to our overall success, to our longevity. Saying no allows us to carve out time and space to promote Sabbath rest and self-care. Saying no prevents us from burnout, and I'll say more about that. Um, I think we've all seen too many pastors and church leaders and therapists get burned out. Um, if you don't know how to say no well in a healthy way, this is not sustainable. It's too much. So saying no can really help us to protect our health and protect our relationships as well. Um, I'm curious, uh, as pastors and church leaders and therapists, how often in the past few months, you know, especially the past few years during this pandemic, um, how often have you shared about the importance of self-care and Sabbath rest? 
I imagine you have, and I applaud you for it. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad that you're encouraging people to pursue this. But now the more difficult question, (laughs) how well are you practicing self-care and Sabbath rest? How good are you with enforcing boundaries? How um, practiced are you uh, in doing self-care? Generally, when I ask this to my uh, fellow colleagues and fellow therapists, friends, uh, what I hear is, yeah, Megum, I believe in Sabbath rest and self-care, of course. I just wish I had more time to do it. My schedule is packed. My plate is so full. I don't feel like I can say no. Well, so that's the context of this workshop. If I can learn to say no in a healthy way, or if I can even learn to say yes in a healthy way, I believe we're going to create more space to care for ourselves, to prevent burnout, to protect us, our families, our relationships, our health. Um, And, you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir, but in Jesus, we have the most amazing example of all. Jesus said no. (laughs) I feel like sometimes we forget that, especially within an Asian American Christian context. Jesus said no and turned people away. Jesus spent time in solitude and prayer. Jesus rested. Jesus said no. Um, So here's a question for us. As a ministry leader, Should we always say yes? Should we always say yes to requests? In our church culture, I wonder if there's a subtle implication that we should say yes to every request. Like being faithful and obedient means that we should say yes. Um, I feel like we have two layers of pressure. The church context where being a good and faithful, obedient servant um, means that we should, you know, serve um, and say yes to our requests. And then we have the Asian context of valuing sacrifice and being obedient, especially to our elders. Uh, So um, you, you might say, okay, To this question, you might say, no, of course not, Megum. I feel like I have to say, you know, I don't feel like I have to say yes to everything. But then why do we feel so much pressure to say yes? And why do we end up saying yes to more things than we can handle? Uh, And if we say no, why do we feel so much guilt or shame about it? Uh, We might say that we don't really believe in this statement, but... I wonder if our actions and our experience say otherwise. So let's consider um, some pressures that we might be experiencing. So for example, this, this first one, the more I sacrifice, the stronger my faith is. If I sacrifice more, that proves that my faith is great. My faith is good. My faith is strong. I wonder if we experience the subtle message of that. Um, Or this next one, you know, honoring my elders means I should sacrifice like they did. Um, I 
I appreciate so much the ways that our elders, the previous generations have sacrificed for us. I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, both Jessica Chen Feng and Jess Cho Kim talked about our Asian American context and the sacrifices that were made in our immigration stories. Absolutely. Um, but I'll share in a little bit about how we can hold that sacrifice and still be able to say no. How about this one? Um, taking time to rest is a sign of spiritual laziness, <laughs> or it's a sign of avoiding responsibility or being selfish. There are implications for um, when we say no and when we choose to rest, even taking a vacation. Sometimes needing to rest feels like it's a sign of weakness. Uh, and this next one, I don't feel like I have permission to rest or to take time off. Um, there might be this general church culture of sacrifice that you're surrounded by. And, you know, of course, people say that we should take time off, but we may not feel like it's allowed. You know, Just Cho Kim just talked about how we need to give permission to set boundaries, you know, and, you know, I think we all know it's a commandment. <laughs> a Sabbath rest is a commandment, but we don't give ourselves or others the permission to rest or set boundaries. Uh, and this last one, I'll rest after I've gotten all my work done. Well, if we wait for all of our work to be done before we can rest, well, that's never going to happen. <laughs> we'll never rest because that day will never come, I, especially in church ministry context, and even for us as therapists, there's, there's very, um, there's always more to do. There's so much more to do. Our plates always tend to be full. Um, so I don't know if any of these really resonated with you, um, but um, I hope that you'll just consider uh, what is the context that you um, are serving and what are those underlying pressures, you know, those um, the, the implications of those pressures. Um, so before we move on into our activity, I just want to take a moment to talk about burnout uh, because this is real uh, for therapists, for pastors, for church leaders, for parents. I mean, you know, talk about this very, very long pandemic that we're in. Um, Burnout is so real. And Jess Cho Kim, I'm so glad that she shared about that slide um, about the recent Barna study that reported that 42% of those in full-time ministry seriously consider quitting, largely due to burnout. That's really high, 42%. And as a parent, I wonder if how many of us would <laughs> want to silently quit there too. Parenting is so hard. Um, serving in a ministry context is so hard. Anyway, so I just wanted to say a little bit about burnout. Um, it's characterized by emotional exhaustion, fatigue, a lack of desire to engage, low motivation. It's also about having a negative attitude towards those we serve. That's what we start experiencing. There's resentment, annoyance. Um, rather than feeling like we're serving, it feels more like, we're being used. Let's keep it real. <laughs> we may find ourselves kind of like instigating conflict in relationships, not that we want to, but you know, we're, there's so much stuff going on in us and 
and we might just find ourselves in conflict. Um, and when we start having this negative attitude towards those we serve, we also start withdrawing or avoiding. We might notice an increase in like absences or being late to meetings or just dreading having to do this this thing um, that we signed up for. I mean, eventually the negative attitude turns into apathy and we no longer have the ability to care, which can lead to not just like a decline in job performance, but it's really about low satisfaction, low job satisfaction and low life satisfaction. Another indication of burnout is a reduced sense of personal accomplishment. So we don't feel good about ourselves or what we do. We start putting ourselves down. We feel shame. We feel unsatisfied. Um, we can even experience like imposter syndrome. Uh, and with burnout, uh, there's also the inability to be as emotionally responsive or engaged. We struggle to stay connected or to be really present. And, um, and when that, I, I think we notice that more in our family life and our relationships. So in being able to say no, we are preventing burnout. We don't want to be in this place. Um, we, as a side note, if you can relate to these symptoms, if you are experiencing these, I would really encourage you to seek out a mental health professional to help you heal, help you recover, help you um, get grounded again. Um, so let's do this activity together. Um, if you can grab a piece of paper, um, we're just going to jot some things down. So just, you know, grab a, um, a piece of paper and we'll work through this together. What I want us to do is to think about some recent situations where you had to either say yes or you had to say no, but you totally did not feel good about it. Uh, in the moment, while you're doing it, or even afterwards, you just, it just did not feel good. And there were a lot of, you just felt a lot of yucky emotions inside. So just think about those recent situations um, and grab a piece of paper. Cause what we're going to do is I'm just going to walk us through identifying a couple things about that. So I want us to think about one situation where you said yes, but you didn't want to. And then I want you to think of a situation where you said no and you didn't want to. So let's start with the yes. So basically just like, you know, get a piece of paper, um, break it up into, you know, two, two rows, four columns, basically eight boxes and just jot these things down. So let's first think about the situation where you had to say yes, but you didn't want to. So in this first square, write down what the request was. What were you asked to do? And you said yes, but you didn't want to. It can be big, small. I mean, just the first thing that pops into your mind. <laughs> and then consider why you said yes. Why did you agree to do something you didn't want to do? Was there external pressure? Uh, was there internal pressure? For example, like, did you say yes because you didn't want to let them down or you wanted to please them or you were afraid of 
what they think about you if you declined. And then when you're ready, move to the next box. How did you feel afterwards about saying yes? Did you feel regret? Any resentment? Any anger? <laughs> How did you feel afterwards? And then if you're ready for the last box, this is the hardest one, actually. How did the situation make you feel about yourself? When you think about that whole situation, having said yes when you really didn't want to and, and kind of identifying why you said yes, how did it make you feel about yourself? Did you feel weak because you you know, cave to the pressure? Or um, did you feel um, like your faith wasn't strong because you were resenting doing it? Did you feel, um, yeah, just try to identify how you felt about yourself. And now when you're ready, we're going to do the same thing, um, but for a situation when you said no, but you didn't want to. Think of a situation when you said no, um, but you really didn't want to. Um, think about why you said no and how it made you feel afterwards about saying no, and then how that situation made you feel about yourself. I'll just give you a minute to jot down your responses. And for that last box, um, when we find ourselves saying no, even though we didn't want to, um, uh, I think this is where we can really start feeling vulnerable to um, negative feelings about ourselves. Like we feel like we're not a good team player. Um, we feel like a disappointment. We've let people down because we said no. Um, maybe we feel like we're not being faithful. Maybe we feel like our, our faith is being questioned. Maybe we feel like what it says about you. Um, are you afraid that you might be seen as someone who's not caring or selfish or, yeah, so just think about that.
And when you're ready, I would love for you, you know, if you're comfortable, I want to invite you to just write in the chat one of those feeling words or phrases from that last column, how that situation made you feel about yourself. Just write one of those words. Yeah, we can feel regret. We felt like the villain. We felt depressed. Yeah, we could feel indebted. For sure, it helps us feel vulnerable, helpless, guilty, like I don't matter. Mm -hmm. We feel anxiety. Yeah. So those are the feelings that are precisely why we're doing this workshop. Because if we hold on to those feelings, they're going to start affecting us negatively. They probably already have. And how we think about ourselves and how we interact with others, those negative feelings really shape our experience. That's why, you know, whether we say yes or no, if it's out of the wrong reasons, we're going to feel pretty crappy about ourselves. We're going to feel powerless. We don't have agency. Thank you so much for sharing on the chat. So here's what I'd like us to do. Um, just checking time. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to um, review the four steps. And I'm going to, um, I'm a few minutes behind, so I'm just going to uh, plow forward and keep up with me. Um, I want to introduce you to the four steps. So I'm just going to read this. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to unpack each of these four steps. Um, so when a request is made, ask for some time to respond. Do not give an immediate response. And then find some time to walk through these four steps. Number one, we're going to identify the negative feeling. Have any negative feelings been triggered through this request, right? And then we're going to identify the usual response that we give. How do I normally respond to this request? How do I cope? with the negative feelings that have just been triggered. Step three, we're going to identify our truths and we're going to consider what truths will help us to regulate emotionally. And then step four, we're going to identify a grounded response. Am I called to say yes or no? And I just want to say um, these four steps um, have been adapted from a therapeutic modality called restoration therapy that my colleague at Fuller, Dr. Terry Hargrave, developed. And I'm a restoration therapist. This is uh, what I use. But I've adapted it to kind of fit what it is that we're exploring today together. <clears throat> so let's look at the first step. <clears throat> Excuse me. Step one, we're going to identify the negative feeling. What is the negative feeling that's been triggered through this request? So just think of one, you know, probably one of the two that you've um, identified already through the activity. How do you feel dysregulated from even hearing the request? Maybe you feel like we um, identified in the chat. Maybe you feel weak. You're not a good team player. You're feeling like a disappointment, not good enough. I don't matter. Maybe you feel inadequate. So when you consider the source of these feelings, 
let's consider some of these larger kind of umbrella feelings, the source of why we feel um, these negative feelings, right? Excuse me. Insecurity. I sense my worth from serving others or I need to prove to others that my faith is strong. Or maybe insecurity for you feels like I'm afraid of what other people will think of me. Often the the need to please others comes out of this feeling of insecurity. So maybe this is why you're really wrestling, right? Is that you're really struggling with insecurity or maybe it's guilt. I don't want to let people down. I feel like I'm doing something wrong by saying no. I don't I don't like that feeling of guilt. Or maybe it's pride. I'm the only one who can. No one else can do it as well as I can, so I have to. Maybe it's FOMO. I don't want to be left out. Fear of missing out. Maybe you're motivated by the need to control. And usually the need to control comes out of anxiety, right? I don't trust that others can do a good job or um, I have so much anxiety that I need to control to feel good about what it is that we're doing. So just to sit with that, consider it. In step one, what we're doing is we're identifying the situation that makes us feel feel a certain way and also trying to understand what's the cause um, of all this distress that we're feeling inside. So when you get the request, you'll probably start feeling something when you're starting to think about whether to say yes or no. And usually it's some form of one of these things, some form of fear, some form of anxiety. Um, And we start to experience emotional distress. So um, I don't have too long to spend time on this, but in our brain, our amygdala, I love knowing about the brain. (laughs) Um, So in our brain, in the amygdala, it registers this experience as a threat because it's a threat to our well-being. It's a threat to our sense of self, our identity. So for example, I'm afraid of what people will think of me. Well, just Thinking about saying no to a request makes me start making me feel um, like if I'm concerned about what they'll think of me, I start feeling inadequate or not good enough. It makes me feel like it might be a disappointment or a failure. And these feelings are a threat to my sense of self. So our amygdala gets activated and it triggers a fight flight response. And that's why we cope negatively. So step two is identifying how we're coping negatively. What do I do to cope? When we feel emotional pain, we go into a fight flight mode because of our amygdala. And so we tend to cope negatively in four main ways. We blame, we self-shame, we control, or we escape. So how do you cope negatively? Maybe you express anger by blaming someone for the situation that you're in. 
oh my gosh, that person totally pressured me to say yes. So I said yes. And now it's their fault that I'm in this situation. And you have blame and anger. Or maybe you put yourself down in self-shame. Oh, I should have known better. I shouldn't have said yes to this. And man, like I'm totally kicking myself. Like what's wrong with me that I always say yes? Why am I always trying to please people, right? And you go into self-shame. Or you could try to control the situation, by trying to manage what people think of you. Um, or uh, there's lots of forms of control. Or you can try to avoid conflict by just saying yes. You know, you escape by saying yes. You escape these yucky feelings by saying yes. You can, or um, <laughs> another fun one, you can escape by not responding to the request, not responding to the email in hopes that they'll forget about it or they'll ask someone else. Um, we respond negatively. And when we respond out of fear or anxiety, actually we're going to end up regretting our decision. And it's going to have these ne negative consequences on how we see ourselves and our well-being. <clears throat> Why, <clears throat> excuse me, so why do we say yes? Maybe because we're trying to please, appease, avoid conflict. And then afterwards, we're really felt, left with this feeling of like being overwhelmed or feeling regret, resentful. Or maybe we say no, but then we experience guilt. Um, and from that, we could actually feel like we're unreliable or not good enough or not faithful. Step three. We want to identify our truths. And this step is actually the most important, the most important one, because this step helps to regulate us. <clears throat> we need um, these truths to help us actually calm our amygdala down and help ground us. So for feelings of insecurity, maybe your truth can be that I have inherent worth. My service doesn't define my worth or my faith. I feel good about who I am. I have value regardless of what I say, uh, whether I agree or not. Maybe for feelings of guilt, you can say a truth that sounds kind of like, well, I'm, I'm allowed to say no when I need to. Why? Because I need to protect, prevent, promote. Maybe for feelings of like um, pride, like I can say, you know, I am thankful. And this pride is like what I mean in a negative way, right? Like too prideful. Maybe we can say, you know, I'm thankful that there are other people who can serve. It doesn't have to be me. It's okay. <clears throat> for feelings of FOMO, I'm included. Even if I don't attend everything, I don't have to attend everything. <laughs> and control. God is in control. Therefore, I can let go and give others an opportunity to serve. Finally, the fourth step. We want to identify a grounded response. Am I called to say yes or no? So we're not going to cope anymore. We're going to actually see it as a calling. But you can't get to this fourth step until you've You've grounded yourself. So when you ground yourself in your truths, you don't need to respond out of fear 
or anxiety. So after you've grounded yourself in your truths, you can remind yourself that you are allowed to say no because saying no allows you to promote Sabbath rest, self-care, prevent burnout, promote healthy boundaries, protect your health, protect your family, protect your relationships. So after you've grounded yourself, then you actually have room to discern, am I called to say yes or no? So let me say a little bit about like grounding ourselves. Once we root ourselves in the truth, um, we're no longer responding to our fear or anxiety. And I'll give an example of of what this looks like um, in real time. But we're not saying yes or no for the wrong reasons. The truth helps to calm down our amygdala. Um, I'm happy to say more about this later, and I'll stick around for um, the lounge time after um, the workshop time. But, you know, research has shown that these truth statements help to regulate our amygdala. So rather than being in this fight-flight mode where we feel threatened, we don't have to feel that way with our truths. Our fear and anxiety tells us that our amygdala um, is under threat and our identity is under threat. Um, so for example, if I say no, um, I, I can be seen as being uncaring or selfish uh, or weak. And any of those are threat to my identity, to my sense of self. I don't want to be seen as uncaring. Um, I don't want to be seen as a bad team player, right? So what happens is my, my amygdala raises the alarm and we start escalating emotionally Um, And then we agree to do something out of fear or out of anxiety. So the truth reminds our amygdala, hey, we know who we are. We're not under threat. We're, We're firmly anchored in our truths. And that helps calm down our amygdala and allows us to think more clearly. The truths help us to discern how to respond best out of our truths, not out of fear. So at that point, we can actually, like we have the space, we have the ability to discern what the calling is. And because we know our truths, um, we know why we said yes or no. So actually it eliminates the, the residual feelings, those feelings of like guilt or shame or resentment that kind of happen afterwards. Uh, when we kind of like regret our decision, um, we eliminate all of that. Because when we're working on the task, the request, there's more ownership. There's this sense of like responsibility in a healthy, positive way. Because we can say, hey, I chose to do this task. It's not that I have to or I should. It's actually, hey, I want to, I get to, I chose to do this task. I wasn't pressured. I didn't do it to please anyone. I did this for me because I truly believe that that's what God was calling me to do. And so there's like freedom. (laughs) We, we have, we can experience freedom, not guilt. Um, We can remind ourselves of why we said yes. Even if it's a hard task, we can remind ourselves And then ground ourselves in that. And we can really serve with joy. 
because we're not responding to fear or anxiety. So let's review the four steps. Um, and uh, I'm going to give you a real example, a very recent example, actually. So I was recently asked to speak about mental health issues at uh, a local Korean church where the congregation is mostly Korean speaking. Um, so when the request was made, ah, I did it. I asked for some time to respond. And then I walked myself through the four steps. So step one, identify the negative feeling. What negative feelings were triggered? through this request? Well, for me, I immediately fell into insecurities. I felt intimidated about speaking to a Korean-speaking congregation. My Korean is not fluent enough for me to do like a whole lecture in Korean. I can speak conversationally, but doing a lecture in Korean, it, it just kind of, you know, <laughs> uh, requires uh, more fluency, and I'm not that. And so because I knew that they were Korean-speaking, um, I I didn't think that doing it all in English would serve their needs either. So I felt so intimidated, inadequate, not good enough, lacking in some way. I'm such a bad Korean for not knowing how to speak Korean well. You know, all of those insecurities came up. And I kind of felt like this fear of being like exposing myself to being judged. Yeah. So lots of negative feelings. <laughs> so basically I wanted to say no, that would have been my immediate response, right? So step two, what's the immediate response? I wanted to say no. Uh, but I want to say one more thing about the negative feelings in step one. Another set of negative feelings, um, what got triggered was I also felt some pressure to say yes because my parents were connected to this church. And so if I said no, I kind of feel like I was letting them down or making them look bad. I had to save face. And so there was also this like pressure to say yes. So internally, I wanted to say no. I felt the pressure to say yes. And step two, what is my usually usual response? What do I do to cope? Well, I think because of the pressure to say yes, I probably would have um, responded to that. Uh, responded to that need because I don't want to let people down. Um, yeah, so I think I would have been giving into that, um, but there would definitely be some, maybe some resentment or, you know, something there. Um, and of course, now I would also have to deal with all these insecurities, right? Uh, step three, okay. I'm going to ground myself in my truths. What are the truths that are going to help me regulate? So in step two, when I just thought about all of my, in steps one and two, when I thought about all my negative feelings, um, my amygdala is going to start feeling threatened and it's, I'm going to feel myself emotionally escalating. Um, and oftentimes I, I like to use scalings, scaling questions. So scale of zero to 10, where 10 represents the max emotional escalation of negative feelings and distress, right? That's the worst. Zero is the absence of it. It's just you are zen and at peace and you're grounded. So on a scale of zero to 10, in steps one and two, I, I try to identify where I am. And so for this particular one, I was probably at like a seven or an eight. It, it really did um, trigger a lot of my fears and anxieties. 
So in step three, the goal is I need to find truths that are going to help my amygdala from that seven or eight calm down to like a what's comfortable. A zero is always the goal, but a zero, one, two, like that's tolerable, right? So to get myself down from a seven, eight down to like a two, I need truths. In this situation, my truth is that I'm valued. (laughs) I'm appreciated. Whether I say yes or no, it doesn't define my worth. I I know my value. I know my worth. Um, And then another truth is I'm allowed to say no if I need to. That, that really helps. And um, identifying why I need to say no has also been very helpful. So being able to speak that truth. And the truth that I don't have to do this to prove anything to anyone. Because I already know my worth and my value. And then uh, regarding the fear of speaking to a Korean congregation, you know, my truth is that My Korean speaking skills are what they are. It is what it is. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. I just have to own it. You know, I don't have to pretend that I can speak better than I do. I also don't need to be ashamed. It just is what it is. And I can embrace that. I just have to own it. And I have to say another truth, my efforts are enough. If I do my best, that's all I can do. I do not need to fear. So when I identify those truths, I can just feel my amygdala calm me down. And I start feeling more grounded in who I am, my sense of self, who God has made me to be, right? I lean into that and then I can move to step four. Now, I would say if you're still kind of escalated and you've only been able to go down to like a five or a four, I don't think you can move, move on to step four. I really would encourage you to really try to get yourself to a zero, a one, or a two. And then move on to step four. So I identify a grounded response. Am I called rather than coping? What is my calling? So after I spent some time letting the truth sink in and praying, meditating, um, and I also uh, use this skill called havening that I'm happy to share more about. I love havening. It really helps to bring down the amygdala quickly. So after I did all of that, I felt more clear. (laughs) I felt grounded. I wasn't considering my fears anymore. What I was considering was just the request for what it was. It was a need. It was a request, and I was able to have just more space in my brain and my heart to determine whether God was calling me to do it or not, because the fears and the anxiety weren't getting in the way. I was able to see like, oh, okay, like I could actually use my my brain, my thinking brain, my prefrontal cortex to engage the question. And not to be consumed by the fears and the anxiety. So um, did I want to do it? Could I make time for it? I really felt like God was nudging me uh, to do it. So I said yes. And it felt great. And I was nervous as all get out. But it it was fine. And people uh, appreciated that I tried to do some great conglutition there. And 
um, I felt really good about it. But you know what? Like, I could have given a similar example of where I said no and felt good about it. Another example of like, you know, where I didn't feel guilty because I said no, because I knew why I was saying no. Um, so I believe I am out of time. Thank you for this amazing opportunity to share. We here at the Center for Asian American Christianity at Princeton Theological Seminary invite you to join in the ongoing dialogue on Asian American faith, identity, social engagement, and ministry through our newsletter, blog, and upcoming conferences at ltiaa.com.